and thank you, Monica and Josh and all of our praise team and all of our technical crew for making it possible for these times of worship to just be shared in so many places, not only in San Antonio uh, and in Texas, but, but literally across the country and around the world. We, we praise the Lord for the technology in our day that we're able to convey. We pray by the power of His Spirit, the life and the warmth of the Spirit of Jesus at work in our hearts. So thank you, Monica and Josh and the whole team. Now, Shirley and I are going to be a part of the streaming family today. We'll be blessed by the services from a distance. But I want to introduce to you the preacher at Alamo City for this morning. He's a young man. He's 32 years old. His name is Chaplain Carl A. Long. You will remember that name, and you will remember this man and this heart. He's a chaplain uh, for the, the Methodist hospital system specifically with his focus being in the oncology department, the cancer department of Methodist Hospital. He's also um, in the Army Reserves. He is an Army Reserve chaplain. He is also a, an associate pastor in one of the sister churches in our area. And in addition to all of that, and better than all of those things, is the fact that he's the father of four children, three little boys and one little girl who's the princess of the household, and their mom, who is the delight, the delight of, um, of Carl's heart, and her name is Dana. And we just are so blessed to know them, and I'm eager for the Alamo City family to have an opportunity to hear Carl preach this morning. Now, he's, he's full of fire. He's full of life. But I'm telling you, there is a relationship with Jesus and a knowledge of the Word of God and a desire for the Spirit of Jesus to be poured out upon the church today and upon the nation and the nations of the world today in a way that will be a real blessing to you. So I pray you'll open your hearts, and as you listen to him, don't listen as a critic, don't listen as a, as a judge trying to figure out, all right, so what's he bringing to the table? You just listen as a hungry child of God, eager to be taught and eager to be instructed and freshly filled with the life of the Spirit as, um, as Carl opens the Word for us today. All right? Lord Jesus, we ask you to pour out your Spirit now to bless your servant and to bless us as we listen. Amen. The next voice you'll hear now is our brother and our friend, Chaplain Carl A. Long. Amen. God bless you, Carl, as you preach. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Stand up on your feet with me. Let's give God a praise in his house. Praise the Lord, everybody. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord. We are here, Lord. Come hell and high water, we are here. We giving you all glory, honor, and praise in your place. In Jesus' name. How y'all doing? How you doing? Good. I'm blessed, too. This is the second service, so I'm about to give it my all, sweat out my perm, and then go to lunch. So. <laughs> all right. If you have your word in your hand or in your, in your phone, uh, let's stand for the word of the Lord. I'm going to get straight to this because uh, the second service, I'm going to be long-winded. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Starting at the sixth verse. When you got to say amen. All right. While we getting there, I just want to thank you, family, for letting me be here with you. I thank your pastor and your leader for allowing me to share my heart with you all. I'm about to pray for all of us. He already prayed, but just to settle myself, I want to pray again. Father, I come to you right now in your precious name. And I thank you, Lord. I thank you so much for your love. I thank you so, Lord, so much, Lord, for your consistent grace that you show your family, your children. Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that I shall decrease, you will increase, and that you shall get the glory. I pray, Lord, that every devil that decided to come to church today shall be expelled, that every empty vessel that came today shall be filled, that we may leave the better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and thank God. <clears throat> so starting at verse 6, I'm going to read this, and we'll get into the text so you can have your seat. I'm reading out of the, the New King James Version. It says, Since therefore it remains 
that some must enter, in, enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Say disobedience. Again, he has <clears throat> designates a certain day, saying in David, today, after such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you hear his voice, say hear. hear. Do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, rest for the people of God, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent, say diligent, to enter that rest, lest anyone fail according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are. Yet without sin, let therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, yes, sir, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. You may have your seat. We're going to be speaking today about entering into his rest, entering into his rest. As I, the last few months and weeks, have been looking at the social climate and looking at the things that are going on in our nation, it has burdened my heart to see that the people of God still have not found this rest that this writer was writing in Hebrews. There's anxiety, there's depression, there's suicide, there's hatred, there's division in the United States of America. You have the vaxxers, you have the non-vaxxers, those that wear masks, those that don't wear masks, the Biden clan, the Trump clan. And the church is sitting in the middle, choosing sides because we forgot that we're part of a kingdom. Glory be to God. We're fighting the same fights that the world is fighting because we don't have a certainty in the power that God has given his church. I don't have to be on the left or in the right. I sit firmly in the middle where Christ is Savior and King because I understand this rest. Glory be to God. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we're going to see the, the source of the certainty of the Christian. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I could quote it, but I don't want to fumble over it. I'm going to give it to you straight out the text. Acts 1, verse 8, this is my family scripture. We have this posted up everywhere. It says, but you shall receive, everybody say power. When the Holy Spirit, or that old King James said, that Holy Ghost has come up on you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all the Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the rest that we are looking for comes from power. Say power again. This dunamis, Christ says, I'm about to send the apostles to do a work, baby, but you can't go yet until you received power. You can have more degrees than a thermometer but unless you have sat in the presence of God and received the power of the Holy Ghost, you will scatter like a roach when the lights come on when Satan starts tormenting your mind. Everybody say power. I believe today God is about to pour out again like in Acts chapter 4, a second coming of that precious gift called the Holy Ghost and the church will start preaching, teaching, and walking in this power. Glory be to God. God speaks to us through Hebrews chapter 4. This writer is writing to a church that's in distress because they have forgotten the promise. Everybody say promise. Just because all bills are paid, just because you got more money than you ever have, just because everything looks good does not mean that you're blessed. Oh, you, you should have got that. That should have made you shout. 
Okay, but, it, but see, just we've gotten confused with prosperity being promised. That's why America is a rich na nation, but we're bankrupt on hope. We're bankrupt in authority. Why? Because we thought we already received something. Just like this writer is telling us that the sons of disobedience in Joshua's generation had obtained the land, but they had forgot their God. I come to remind somebody in this building that you may have your retirement of 401k disability, and you may feel all this well, but if you ain't got this precious gift in your belly, you're void of power. Now, we talk about horsepower, nuclear power, but if that has power, how much more is this Holy Ghost? Glory be to God. So I'm trying to shake you right now to get a dependency on saying, God, why have I been losing my mind? Maybe, baby, you then became a Google God. Maybe you are watching more CNN and Fox than you are getting on your knees and consecrating yourself. There has to be a consecration for concentration when you find yourself in the middle of chaos. There has to be something that's deep down inside of you that says, devil, you are a liar. The same God that saved my old Christ itself. It's the same God that can protect me, but the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell them they did not enter because of disobedience to the word. Everybody say word. word. Glory be to God. My, my, my sister, I'm sorry, my wife, we laugh a lot of times about the church don't know the difference between Genesis and genocide no more. If you ask somebody when the last time you prayed for something other than yourself, you don't know. If the world's sick, why ain't we laying hands? I was in the hospital the other day, and uh, I was speaking to this nurse. And I said, I'm embarrassed. She said, why? And I said, because where all the nurses ran to COVID, the church closed. They didn't get to close the doors of that hospital. When me and my peers were walking and still walking COVID rooms and have to go to our children, or you see young ladies and young men serving COVID patients, they didn't get to close the doors. We say that God is a healer, but we closed the doors. If the government said we couldn't meet, we should have been in the streets with microphones and oil saying, all oh, that are sick, let them come. But there's something about this power that we no longer have because we can't rest. Everybody say rest in the assurance of God. Get your Bibles back over there in Hebrews. I got to teach you something now. You're going to make me preach myself happy. Hebrews chapter 4. <clears throat> I'm going to start at verse 8 now. It says, for if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. This gets me excited. So, check this out. This is the first point I want you to write down. When I say rest, I'm not talking about inactivity. I'm talking about right activity. As you said, I said, I'm not saying be lazy or passive. I'm saying get so committed and submitted to the things of God that you know exactly what he's asking you to do in this season. So he said, there's another rest that we'll get to enter into for God's people. Not everybody that's sitting next, uh, uh, next to you, don't look around, is part of God's family. We have been deceived that because we're committed to the pew that we're committed to his word. Just because we was raised in church our whole life does not mean that you are a witness. Everybody say witness. When I took you to Acts chapter 1, that witness word also can be connected to martyr or someone that's willing to die for the testimony of Christ. Glory be to God. My promise is not that I'm going to live long here. My promise is that since I've already died to my flesh, I'm never going to die again. Oh, I'm already dead. You talking to a dead man. The promise of the church is we believe in the word of God. When people say that I'm by myself, I say I serve a God that will never leave me nor forsake me. When people say you can die of sickness, I say, let me tell you something. Psalms chapter 103 says, I serve a God that will heal me from all of my infirmity. infirmity. The thing is anxiety, frustration, and depression can only connect itself to a person that this does not have the word. Glory. I'm not just talking about the graphic what you have in your hand and some of you have on your nightstand. I'm talking about 
about the Logos that is living right now, the living Word of God, my Savior that sits on the right hand of the Father that speaks concerning the sentiments of the hearts of men. That's the Word I'm talking about. Have you had an encounter with the Word? Everybody say Word. So the Word brings me rest, not distress. And dis-ease will bring me disease. But when I'm comforted in the Word, say the Word, I can have that rest. So now in verse 10, he says, For he who has entered into his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Everybody get close to the campfire. If you, if you, if you open your Bibles, go to Genesis, right? I'm just going to tell you. Go there later. God makes man on the sixth day. Is that in your Bible? And then on the seventh day, what did he do? Glory. God rested. So man's first encounter with the heavens was seeing a God sitting and looking over what he already did for him. See, you just missed that. You're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory because it's already finished. God placed man in Eden and then sat down because God understood I want him to see me in the position of rest. Glory be to God. And then man creates a Sabbath, and the Sabbath, Sabbath day was created for us to sit back and reflect and do two things. Write this down. The first thing you do is reflection, and then the next thing you do is praise. You just missed that. The first thing you do is reflect on how God was with you on Monday. Then you reflect on how he spoke to you on Tuesday. Then you reflect on how he delivered you on Wednesday. Then you reflect on how he kept you on Thursday. Then you reflect on how he fed you on Friday. Then you reflect on how he's been good to you all week long. And you sit here and praise him. But how dare the church get silent because of a virus? When God took care of the virus of sin, it's because we stopped reflecting on his goodness. His mercy towards us. His faithfulness to his church. He's been good to you, but we stopped reflecting on his goodness. And his words, so this Hebrew writer gets us there and says, listen, listen, in verse 11, he says, let us therefore be diligent. Say diligent. diligent. Now, this is going to be a good one for you. Rest don't come easy. Some of y'all and some of us are losing our minds. And we're thinking it's because he's not faithful. But he just told you, don't be diligent for anything else but his rest. What does that look like, Albert? You get into a place where you believe the word and you become stubborn in the word of God. You say, Lord, if your word is real, I'm going to stay right here until I see the manifestation of your word. Let me tell you a story one time. I was in the hospital. I met this woman that was in her 40s. She had been just diagnosed with cancer. Have two children. Her husband was there. When I walked in the room, she was weeping. I come in, as we do in the hospital, it's called, I call it the mystery of knocking doors because each door has a story. So I come in, I say, how you doing? I'm Chaplain Carl. He says, sister, what are those tears saying to me? She says, I'm scared. Said, scared of what? So she looked at me as if, you don't know? I have cancer. The doctor says that I may die. I said, sister, do you believe in Jesus Christ? She said, of course I believe in Jesus Christ. I said, well, let me tell you something. Don't you let no doctor, no chaplain, or no nurse tell you what we already know. She said, what? That you're going to die. You should have looked at him and told him, duh, so are you. But the reality is, I'm going to die, never to die again. But don't, don't shout yet. So I said, let me tell you something, homegirl. You're going to lose your hair. 
you're going to lose some weight in here, so get ready for your beach body, but you better not lose your hope. Everybody say hope. I, you may lose some things up in here. You lo- might lose your car. You might lose your mind, but you dare not lose your hope. I don't know who I'm talking to in here. You've been going through some hell. You've been going through some problems. You've been going through some tribulation. You thought you'd be out by now. You might lose the house. You might lose the job. You might lose the family, but you dare not lose your hope. Why? Because God is faithful, and my hope, I hear you, grand grand, is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. What does that mean, preacher? I serve something that's worth striving for. I almost lost my mind, but my hope is here. I almost lost my children, but my hope is here. I'll fight for my rest. I'll fight for it. He's been too good. I'll fight for him. Christ saved this old country boy. I'll fight for him. He saved this young man that grew up with no daddy. I'll fight for him. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me I am his own. He took liquor out of my mouth and weed out of my lips. I'll fight for him. Is there anybody in here that he's worth fighting for? He's worth striving for. He's been too good. If he don't do nothing else, I'm still here. Can you say if you don't heal me this time, I'm still here. Okay. So this diligence in the word is what Satan's fighting for. I'm going to go here quick. Go to Matthew uh, uh, chapter, um, what was that, Mike, we did first? Chapter 10, verse 20 and 20, wait, 21 and 22, Okay. We added this last at last service. So as I told them, I got a lot of friends in Scripture. I just don't know the address all the time, okay? <laughs> so so uh, uh, 10, 20, and 20, uh, 21, 22, it should be there. And I'm going to show you why I said this. worth fighting for, okay? Write, your, write the notes down. How do I know I have faith? I mean, how do I know when I have faith? I'm about to show it to you. How do you know when you have faith? <clears throat> okay, go to 22. All right, it says this, and you will be hated by, by all for my name's sake, right? But he who endures to what? To the end will be saved. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you a secret. Anytime Satan is fighting for something, he understands it can only be saved if you hold on to it. That just went, let me put it another way. God has given you something so precious, and the only way you know you have faith in it is when you die with it. Don't tell me you have faith. You have to show hell I got faith. And some things I have to die with, but that does not void my faith in it. Glory be to God. There was a Shudamite woman in the book of 2 Kings, y'all know, so it was a shooting my woman. I got to go there. I hear y'all go. In the book of 2 Kings, uh, this woman had a son. She was an old baby. And the shootermite woman, right, baby died. But this crazy woman said, all is well. You just missed that. This woman witnessed the baby that she wanted and desired. And if you read your Bible, the prophet came out and she told her husband, this man, we need to, make, we need to, we need to build him a room up in here. Can you imagine your wife telling you to build another man a room? We'll go back to that later. So he tells them that we need to build this man a room. They do. She gets the baby, and then the baby grows up, and he said, Mom, I got a headache. The baby dies. The husband goes to the wife and says, what's going on? She says, all is well. That's fighting for the finished works of God. What are you talking about, Albert? God would not have given it to me if I was going to lose it. Oh, you just missed it. God wouldn't have gave you that marriage that you're in right now if he was going to let you lose it. He would not have given you this life and this breath if he was going to just let you lose it. But you have to look up to heaven and then look at the devil and say, devil, all is well. It is well in my soul. I hear you, Holy Ghost. It is well in my soul. We didn't forgot how to look at a situation and say, it's well. Amen. This week, the devil won't come to you. Look at him and say, it's well. 
Don't, try, don't practice it right now. Say it's all this way. It's all good. That's the new way to say it. Say it's all good. That's the hip way to say it. It's all good. Right? And so we have to know if I'm willing to die with this thing called faith. It's good to me. Verse 12, go back to Hebrews. I let you get back there. You're going you gonna, you gonna to be in your Bible today. We're going to get you in here. Come on, you're going to get it. Yeah. For the word of God is living and what? Powerful. There go that power again. And sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and to the joints and the marrow. I experienced this firsthand. I was working night shift. And... Uh, I got a call that they was about to withdraw care from a COVID patient. Now, withdrawing care means this person is about to transition, right? They're about to help them transition. And so I get ready. It's about 3 in the morning, and, and, and I get to the room, and they have the COVID patients in these pretty much, these, it looked like a glass, it ain't a glass box, but it's a room with a glass door in front of it. And the wife is sitting there, and her sister is sitting there, and his brother is sitting there. The nurse is weeping because she comes and tells me, I've done this too much. I don't want to do this again. And I said, baby, let me tell you something. Just like we celebrate birth, we're about to celebrate this man's life. We have a responsibility to this family. I know this is tough, but we got to celebrate it. She wipes her tears. She goes in the room, and they'll start administering the things to stop the heart. I put a glove on, and I sit by this woman. I hold her hand as we watch 40-plus years of marriage. But the beat of this heart go from 95 to 93 to the 70s, and out of nowhere, this wife yells, Jesus. She does it so quick and so loud that it pierced me. The Lord says, Albert, watch this. Now me, believing that resurrecting power, I said, oh, Lord God, I'm about to watch somebody get up out this bed. She yells, Jesus. Then she says it again, Jesus. Then she begins to weep hard and say, Jesus. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit arrests the environment with peace that I had never felt in my life. And the Lord said, Albert, the problem is many say my name, but they don't know me. What I just did and what I'm doing is responding to someone that needs me. Many of us call on everything but Jesus. She didn't have sentences to say. She just had a word. And she believed in that moment that if I call on the name of Jesus, glory, I hear you, Holy Ghost. When she said Jesus, it was saying, Jesus, I need you. When she said, Jesus, she was saying, Lord, I trust you. When she said, Jesus, she was saying, I don't understand what's going on. When she said, Jesus, she was saying, could you come sit with me? When she said, Jesus, she was saying, I don't even know how to feel in this moment, but I know who to call. There's some times in your life that life is going to hit you and hurt you so much so that you ain't going to want to look at your Bibles. You're not going to want to stand in worship. But I guarantee you, if you can muster up the strength to say the name of Jesus, he'll come to your rescue. I'm not concerned with the world that's worried about itself when I have a Savior that's concerned with me. Maybe God has you in a situation right now to see if you'll call that name with expectancy. Everybody say expectancy. I expect him to move because he loves me. 
He's for me. He's for me. He's for me. He's for you. He, I don't know, he's for you. And if God be for me, huh? Who? That's it. We're going to repeat it. Who? What? Can be against me. We look now. After it pierces, it divides soul, which is your mind, will, and emotion from spirit. So what the word of God, Logos, and written will do is that when it pierces you, it will sift through you and remove whatever is not like God. When you let the word do it, this is precious. When you let the word have its work in you, after it cuts you and after it divides you, it discerns in you. That's what your Bible says right here. It said what? It discerns of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You remember Jesus was there sweating blood. And he says, Lord, if there's any other way, remove this from me. Y'all remember that text? Sometimes you're going to be in situations where you want to be removed from it. You're going to hear news that you're going to wish you never heard. But when the Holy Spirit and that power comes in you, it will settle you to discern in you, Lord, what do I do? If you can wait on him, if you'll wait on him and allow his weight to sit on you, he'll discern in you your will and his will. Jesus then gets up in confidence and what? Nevertheless, what? Not what I or my soul desires, but what you intend for me, I'll go through. I don't know what's been intended for you, but I do know who's in control of it. I want us to pause right now and ponder. How fast have you been moving through pain that's sanctioned by heaven? Are approved by God. Not all pain is bad. Every woman here had pain to birth something. Raising your family can be painful. Raising them babies after you birth them can be painful. If you work out, you go through pain to build muscle. You never have to fear pain when your king is a healer. So it discerns and it sifts through these things for me. And it says, there is no creature hidden from the sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. And I want to pause right there. I'll bring you into one of my deepest, most intimate moments. I wasn't going to share, but I talked to Mike, so I need to share this. I was called to a similar situation to withdraw care. I walk in the room, and this man had had COVID, was healed, but his lungs were, uh, were not strong enough to breathe on his own. And I get in there. And the nurses tell me he wants to withdraw care himself. So he don't want to be put to sleep. He, gonna, he want to take the mask off himself. The late night, I don't know. I said, well, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what. He said, do we do? I said, you asked the wrong one, baby. You know what I'm saying? But he goes in there and he talks to me. He says, how you doing, chaplain? He has his mask. I said, I'm well. How are you? He says, Jesus, my Savior, is coming to get me. Now, I'm caught into a room because I'm feeling sad and he's feeling hopeful. The nurse asked him, would you like us to turn on any music? He said, no, that'd be too dramatic. We laugh. He tells me about his wife. He tells me about his family. And then he tells me, Christ saved me. 
He said, my daughter died when she was 12. I lost my mind. And Christ saved me. He said, so chaplain, I'm not worried about transitioning because I get to see the man that saved me. Still, I have no clue what's about to happen. The nurse asked him, would he like more morphine? The man stopped us, and he looked off into the distance, almost if he was peering through everything he's experienced through his life. He looks off, he looks at us, and he nods his head, yes. He takes off the first mask, and then he takes the oxygen out of his nose. I hold his hand, and while he's gasping for breath, I tell him, brother, I'll see you later. This moment is always in my heart because I've seen someone face death with a smile. But we're unwilling to walk for God now with courage and confidence because we've gotten to a place where we think that God's only for me and not what I can do in other people's lives. The church used to be the loudest thing on the earth that kings talked about. People talked about the church turning the world upside down. The church used to take in the brokenhearted. But it feels like at times we have to look the part and be the part just to be accepted in these pews. The church used to be the thing that spoke hope when things look hopeless. I'm challenging you, challenging you right in that church to have some station identification and ask yourself, not do I know Christ, but does he know me? What's the testimony of your faith? Do you find yourself during the week speaking more about what's going on in the nation than what's going on in you? When the last time you witnessed to somebody just not tell them that Christ is good or having a cup saying, I love you, Jesus, on your desk. When was the last time the person that's getting on your nerves, you called them and told them about Jesus? When was the last time you stopped and looked at a homeless man and didn't just pass, but understood that he's precious? She's precious. When last time you prayed for your president and, and didn't talk about him and interceded for them? When the church begins to sound like the world, it's demonic. When preachers and teachers are openly endorsing political sides, rather than declaring Christ over our pulpits, it's highly demonic. God is trying to bring us back to a place of rest where we know that I'm fighting from a finished work. Turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5, um, and I'm almost out of chapter 5, Mike, what was it, 6 and 7, right? Chapter 5, 6 and 7. I want to show you something in the text. And the reason I believe we, one, don't see the power of God, and, and, and we, two, don't enter into the rest of God is because of this, of this, of this uh, particular text. So 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Verse 7 said this, Cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. God cares for us. But the first portion of the text I read was humble yourself. We can't, you can, but when you pray for humility, the responsibility of humility is on you. You have not seen hopelessness until you look in the eyes of a mother that knows her husband was the breadwinner and he's passing. Hopelessness, when you go into a room and find your eight-month child dead. Hopeless when money cannot help you 
or solve your problem. So many of my patients ask for one thing, hope. They don't ask the doctor for that, the social worker for that, hospice for that, the government for that. They look in the eyes of a preacher and say, preacher, chaplain, Christian, help me have hope. I just want to know that God is somewhere in this. And what we have to do is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Go there right now. 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And I believe it's going to break this final thing off of us. This is one of the most beautiful texts, if you get this. I believe we'll see the glory of God revealed, not only in your life, but others. One of my precious sisters in the, uh, uh, in the bone, that has bone cancer, I went in her room, and uh, I was tired, very tired. I had seen a lot of people that day, uh, and uh, she says, Chaplain. I have to ask you a question. I said, what? She says, today, the first chunk of my hair came out. And she said, I know this may seem vain, but I have beautiful hair. I don't know how I'm going to look without my hair. My children have never seen me bald. You know, my spouse has never seen me, but I'm losing my hair now. And I don't want to sound vain, but... Do you think I'm beautiful? I sat there in my exhaustion, not knowing what to say. And the Lord said, Albert, ask her, what does she feel she needs to be? I said, sister, what do you feel you need to be? She said, I got to be strong. He said, take her here. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities or my weakness that the power of Christ may rest upon me. She didn't have a Bible, so she wrote it down. And I said, Sister, now read that to me. When she did, she began to weep. We always make the mistake of believing you have to be strong. The power is not in your strength. When you are arrogant, you'll believe that it's your responsibility to take care of your family. It's your responsibility to pay the bills. It's your responsibility. So I have to be strong. But the gift of heaven is this. When you find the courage and the humility to say, I am weak, I cannot do this without you. I'll lose everything without you. I can't raise four children and be a husband of my wife and do what I'm doing without him. There's not an education I can have. There's not a prayer or a fast I can be on. I have to know that I boast in the fact that I don't have it all together. And then it says this, and then the power of Christ will rest upon you. If you have any anxiety, fear, shame, doubt, depression, frustration, and the list goes on, I guarantee you, it's because you're not humbling yourself. You won't even tell people that you're going through because you want to you look like you got it all together. Sometimes the greatest form of humility is looking somebody in the face and say, I don't have it. My marriage is messed up. My kids are going crazy. I didn't, my debt is, oh, I can't even pay my bills anymore. COVID has made me lose my job. I'm scared. And when you can humble yourself, then Christ looks at his bride and says, now. I always tell my sons, my daughter, and my wife, there's not a problem that you have that daddy won't try to fix. And if I can say that in my own responsibility, how much more does a God that cares for you trying to tell you right now, Humble yourself. Everybody's talking about the president. You can't even run your house, yet alone the country. Be quiet and humble yourself. Amen. All you talking about, this is just the flu, and you ain't seen the face of 
thousands of people that have died from, this, from COVID. Be quiet and humble yourself and give them praise that you haven't got it. Stop fighting and humble yourself and know that you don't know what you're talking about and you don't know what you're doing and humble yourself and say, God, here I am. Please, power, rest on me. So I need everybody in this room to humble yourself underneath his mighty hand knowing that if it had not been for God, that brought you out. If it's not for his sovereignty, I don't care how rich we are. I hear you, Holy Ghost. Yesterday, I walked in a woman's room, a Korean woman, and uh, she hands me her Bible, this Korean Bible. It's just, I mean, it was big, y'all. And uh, I said, how do you say Jesus in Korean? And she says the name Jesus in Christ. I'm not even going to butcher it, okay? So she says it, and she weeps. And she looks up to heaven and says, my people have been in poverty for thousands of years in Korea. My granddaddy died because he believed in God. She said, chaplain, I, I grew up poor, but my daddy told me about Jesus. She grew up poor in a country that's divided, literally, North and South Korea. But she has enough sense with cancer in her body to look up at heaven and weep and say, I love God and Jesus. Many of us are here are more blessed than you've ever been, but don't have the spiritual integrity to look at people that may turn their backs on you and say, you know what? That's my brother. That's my sister. We all humble ourselves underneath his mighty hand and look up to Jesus for the help we need. Like the woman that cried over her husband that called on the name of Jesus. The man that literally looked death in its face and had a hope. My sister that understands now that she can lose many things, but she won't lose her hope. Or this precious Korean woman doesn't know theology, barely speaks English, but has enough wisdom to say at the name of Jesus. So we're getting ready, prayer team and worship team, to have an altar call. Now, I believe in the power of laying hands, okay? And, but for the sake of my love for you, I'll have a mask on and make sure that you're safe, Okay? My faith is not in the mask. I think y'all all know what my faith is in. But somewhere in the word it says, consider others before yourself. Somewhere in the word it says, if my meat offends you, I won't partake. So I'll let nothing, a vaccination, a mask, separate me from the responsibility of love. You might dislike me, but I'll make sure I honor God in my decision. So we're about to have an altar call, but check this out. This isn't just any kind of altar call. Okay. We're going to come before God. The prayer, uh, prayer team can come up so we can uh, be here for you. And I'm going to pray with everybody that, that needs me to pray. Why? Because I believe in impartation. I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. I believe in the unity of the church. And I believe that all of us here in some shape, form, or fashion, we're hurting. We smile, but we're hurting. Some of us, we're worried, right? There's so much pain in our life. So I'm going to take a time. I'm going to pray for all of us at first so those that want to be dismissed can be dismissed. But before I pray, I want you to bring the sentiments of your heart to the forefront in humility and confess at your seat now, pray for yourself first, what you're struggling with. Some of y'all, for the first time ever, you're going to admit it was me. Old school church song my mom used to sing, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Sometimes you got to get selfish in your prayer life. And I didn't pray for everybody else, Lord, but it's, this, today is me. I'm struggling. 
I didn't say some things about the Republican Party. I didn't say anything about the Democratic Party. I didn't say some things about my family that, Lord, if I know you're not pleased with. With the church. And if Christ can love a leper, if Christ can love me, I know I can show that love to someone else. Father God, I come to you, Lord, right now in your precious name. And I'm in love with you. I know that you care for me, but sometimes I just don't feel your presence. I know that you love me. I even know that you're here, but sometimes I'm concerned, are you here for me? So, Lord, I come to you right now in a bold confidence that today you're not only the God that hears my prayers, but you are a loving Father that can respond to them. Lord, we've all been selfish in certain ways, said things, thought things, and even have done things that are not pleasing to you. But you said, if I confess, you're faithful to forgive. Forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive us for not looking like the church you died for. Well, it wasn't about white and black and Hispanic. Or it wasn't about men and women. It wasn't about political parties. It was just about you. And we just want you. Lord, personally, let me be a better father, a better husband. That when I transition from this place into the promise, that when you say servant well done, I know that your faithfulness is what I depended on. Lord, if this is the last time that I address your people, I pray that you are pleased. Every word that you told me to say, I said it. The life you've asked me to live, I live it. And I thank you for that privilege. I pray for this house, that they do wonderful things for this city. Pray for every man and woman here that they walk into eternal destiny. Let the church be the church. Let us boldly enter into your rest by being obedient to your word. We will not lose our hope in you because we trust you. In Jesus' name, we pray together in faith. Amen and thank God. Now, church, those that want to be dismissed, you dismiss. But the family that wants to come again, I told you. I'll lay my hands in faith as many people as I can speak to. I want to speak to you personally, so I'm here. I want to war with you in whatever you're fighting in. I'm here because I believe that the victory belongs to Jesus. Alamo City Church, it was a pleasure. I love you, and I look forward to seeing you again. God bless you.